Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, guys? And welcome to a brand new episode of the Believe in Rugby podcast show, which is on the Believe Podcast Network. That is the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? This podcast is available on all of your favorite directories, including Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find this podcast on Believe.com, at Believe in Rugby on Instagram, and at Believe Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. On this week's episode of the podcast, I invite on Mike Morrow, a former top-tier D1A rugby player at Iona, and a current backline player for the New York Athletic Club. During his time with the Gales, he led Iona to two Liberty Conference titles, a top five finish at the College Rugby Championships, and in college he was known for playing multiple positions that included fly half, center, wing, fullback, and pretty much anywhere in the back line. After the end of his college career, Mike missed out on being eligible for the MLR draft, but as you'll learn from this episode, he's a guy that has a lot of skill, a lot of IQ for the game of rugby and a heck of a lot of experience playing at a high level. And so it's only a matter of time until a professional team takes a chance and cashes in on him. So the last time I saw you, it was the day of our beloved Pat Quinn's funeral. And you had a game with Nyack and you played really well and you guys won. And so, you know, you're a guy that graduated from Iona as a big time player for the Gales. Uh, obviously, like we played together all those years and you had a great career. And I'm sure a lot of professional teams at the time had their eye on you, but you were kind of unlucky with the draft only coming into its first year after you were uh, already ineligible for it. So you're kind of unlucky in that aspect. But now, you know, you, you seem to be still playing. You seem to be the same old Mike Morrow. So, like, talk about what led to the opportunity getting to go out there and play for Nyack in that game. Well, we just knew uh, the coach, honestly. Um, he just asked me and Scarcella to come and play for him. Powers, too, apparently. But, I mean, we knew the coach. So, we actually have – he just texted uh, the team's chat. We actually – he's trying to get more games in, like, March, April. We probably have more stuff coming up, but with the COVID and everything, it's just been weird. Yeah. So, like, at this point, what are, I guess, your goals in, as far as rugby is concerned? Like, do you have aspirations to play professionally? Yeah, of course. That'd be awesome. I'd do it in a heartbeat if I got an offer or something, but I still haven't sent out my tape. I'm kind of slacking with that. And I don't know. It's uh, I've been just working and working out, so I kind of fell into, like, a s- schedule with COVID and everything, so I haven't really – made the push to do anything really right well, i'm still fit and ready. Yeah. staying ready right of course 24 7 yeah i mean you know you're a guy that's always like in the gym obviously you know i know that from living with you from all these years you kind of are one of the people you and lavar kind of inspired me to start working out as much as i did in college um so i have you to thank for that but um yes <laughs> But let's talk a little bit about Iona and because you have an interesting story and an interesting career that I feel like not a lot of people know too much about because you're so like to yourself. 
you know, starting off your career at Iona, you were a fly half. You played fly half, um, pretty much the quarterback of the team, the leader of the team. And I guess, you know, obviously you made that transition to playing center later on in your career, but talk about what it was like being the fly half. And um, because I guess since you are kind of to yourself, you're not like a lot of traditional fly halves who are, you know, really no, loud and yeah, no. Yeah, right. You're not, that's not you. So talk about, you know, that experience playing fly half and sort of taking a different approach to it. Well, I actually came in playing uh, wing and fullback. That's what I was in high school. And that's when I went there and I was scrawny as, as hell. I was like 160, I think 155. And then I, I don't know if it was the spring of freshman year, they started throwing me in at uh, fly half just to feel it out. And then it kind of, it worked out a little, but I wasn't vocal. That was my, which is awful as a fly half is not being vocal, but my skills kind of made up for it, I guess. And, how I played and and then I when I became fly half that was the first time ever and that was my sophomore year our sophomore year you were were you yeah. on the team yet or no yeah that was my first year playing I was the on fall, B right? side yeah. yeah that was the fall yeah yeah that was like our real season so that was uh my first 15 season I guess that was serious as fly half yeah and that was probably our arguably our most successful year we had a crazy schedule playing army playing uh cutstown william jesuit you know all those teams and we did pretty well obviously with the upset of army you were kind of at the forefront of that at the fly half position um talk a little bit about that game what you remember from that game actually i don't remember anything that's the thing <laughs> like i do um i mean it was a huge help that our forwards are badass uh, we had Evan State goes as an eight man. He could have played professionally, and he still could. Like he's like a huge attribute to the team. And then I had the two Italian maniacs next to me, of course, at center. So I mean, it was very easy to. They all made me look good. I was just a tiny little fly half. And then that game was honestly all a blur. I really, I mean, there's only bits and pieces that I remember. The biggest thing I remember is Greg kicking down the middle of the field and going to field the grow or whatever it was. I'm not sure who kicked it. I forget. Now, I'm not going to lie. I don't remember a lot from that game. I really don't. But that cr walking down, seeing that crowd was incredible. Coming out with Pat Quinn in front of us with, I don't know if Smalls came out and led us that game with the bagpipes. That also got me jacked up. I got a killer shot. I mean, Rossi destroying some kid on the sideline. Like, it was an awesome game. But, yeah, I really – I don't remember much from that game. It was really a blur. I was nervous as hell. I can tell you that. Yeah. I mean, thank God for John Delera's mother and the great job that she does with the pictures. Keep, keep those memories. Yeah, we had John Delera and I forgot about that, and Pedarudi at the at flankers. I mean, they were one of the best in the league, honestly. Flank, there are two flankers. Definitely. Definitely. So the next year, I think, is when you did play fly half for one more year, your junior year. Yeah, and then Powers came. Right, and then Powers ended up making the transition from wing and fullback to fly half. And then you kind of made a seamless transition to playing center alongside Scar. That little one-two punch that you guys had in the middle. So talk about that experience playing center and, I guess, what was the difference between playing fly half and center and which one you kind of like more? Uh, what do you kind of see yourself as? Well, having, I'm, of course, being a team player, uh, having powers go to 10 was 
It was the smarter move because he played with Connor too, but he was also a better 10 than me. But playing center with Scar was fairly easy because I'd been playing with him for fucking old, what was it, like 15 years now? <laughs> it felt like. But um, we had just good chemistry. Having Connor on nine was amazing too. So I liked playing center, I think, a little better because I liked being thrown into the shit in the middle of the field, you know? Yeah, yeah. But no, it, it does show that you have a versatile skill set and that you can play obviously multiple positions because like, I don't see a lot of people <laughs> uh, making that transition from fly half to, to center and being as successful at, at it as you were. Like it was, it, you made it seem like, you know, you've been playing there your whole life. And so what are, I guess, some of your most memorable moments from Iona? Probably it had to be the the cuts down our sevens because we never beat them in anything and we never liked them. Like every game we had was like a tough game and everything. But for me, that one impacted me the most at my Iona career. And watching John Delara run down the sideline for like the real killer punch and at the end of the game, powers too. That was like honestly the best feeling I've ever had at Iona. Beating them twice beating them twice which one was most was more fulfilling i guess the first one i would say the first yeah like the second one was awesome too but like the first one oh my it was our first sevens like it was just we were we tried so hard that game i felt like the second game we were still trying hard but we kind of knew what to do to already beat them the first game you don't know what to do you're just you're playing some of the best kids in the country we didn't know how to beat them we just played our game yeah and that first, yeah, like the first year when we were in it, they were a team that was favored to win the whole thing. And we saw press clippings about DeMonte Noble. So the fact that we went out there and the fact that it was a must-win game for the both of us, for Cutstown and for us, the fact that we went out there and performed and won, that's just a testament to, I think, our mental strength and, and toughness and your mental strength and toughness because you were obviously, you played the whole 14 minutes. Yeah. So any upcoming games with Nyack or any upcoming plans of playing more rugby? We got three games he wants to – I should have wrote them down. But um, he, he said he's got three games he wants uh, to really book some men's clubs. And then he said something about a USA uh, – USA something, like Lions or, or I don't know, something like that. So later on – so he said in a couple of weeks he's going to – because I haven't been running since the last week of like when I came back home after that Nyack game. I mean, I jump rope and stuff, but I don't run. I hate running. I don't like it, and I'm a rugby player, but it's like I can't run. Unlike you, you run like 13 miles a day. But uh, so he's going to be asking us for our Bronco test, and I'm going to start doing that because to get ready for that game, I wasn't running. I work out and jump rope, and that's about it. So I'm there. But um, in order to get ready for that, I think when he first asked us for our Bronco, for the first time I ran it, I ran like a 536, and that is awful for a back. Absolutely awful. Isn't that like in the forward territory? This is probably up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Because <laughs> um, the first time I ever drove, uh, drove uh, ran a Bronco was with Scarcella, and it was our first sevens year. Oh. Our fir my first one ever, I ran like a 501. That was pretty good because I was never really a fast runner or stamina, honestly. But anyway, back to Nyack. My first one was 536. I ran one every day of the week, Monday through Friday, after work, every day. It was pitch black, and I just had to go do it. And I ended, I ended up shaving it down to, like, 507 until the game. It was in, insane. But they suck. But they're the best, the best way to get fit. 
is the Bronco test. Yeah, those Broncos are probably the hardest conditioning workout I've done. They suck, actually. But after the first week, it was kind of like so so just continuous. And I kept doing it and doing it. You stopped thinking about it. And you ended up – I ended up shaving like 25 seconds down, which was incredible for me anyway. I mean, other people would be even better. But that, that was pretty good. It's amazing what the human body can do, right? Yeah, for real. So what the heck, like, what has been, like, your workout regimen or routine? Like, what, has, what has that been like for you? I went back to the push-pull legs six times a push, week. Push-pull legs. Yeah. And sometimes I wake up earlier before work to, like, jump rope and stretch and, and stuff. On, like, a, on a day that I do legs or I do uh, deadlifts or something, I stretch extra that day. So how long is that going to go on for? Push-pull legs? I don't know. I'm trying to hit 205, 210, and I'm 199 right now, so I'm trying to – I just up my calorie intake. I got to go deadlift after this. I'm trying, I want, I tried to front squat 315 the other day and I couldn't get it. I've done that. My younger self would kick my ass because I did 315 for like three front squats in like junior year, I think, senior year. But uh, I would like to squat 405 and bench 315 for my birthday. So in a couple, maybe a week or two for my birthday, I'm just going to, I'm going to go to the gym and try and max out on everything and throw a video up or something because I've never, uh, Squatted 405, actually. That's awesome. Um, so what are your plans for the weekend? Nothing. We get the fights tonight, and that's about it, and made some bets on the games, and that's about it. I know Reese is going to be at your house probably, right? He already texted me to see what I was doing. <laughs> Bright and early in the morning. Crazy guy. But uh, all right, bro. That pretty much wraps it up. It's good to, good to see you. Good to see, you that, see that you're doing well. And I wish you luck on your uh, in your training and everything else. All right. Thanks for having me, bro. I'm not really much of a talker, so it doesn't really matter. That's pretty good for me. I thought I was only going to be able to talk for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>